Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. On today, which is Thursday, January 28th, I am, if it sounds echoey, I am at St. Anne once again, but not in the big church echoing. I am in a small little classroom in their uh, parish center. Uh, And so anyway, um, welcome. I hope this finds you well. I I really, truly do today. Um, We are going to continue through uh, Mark's gospel. We read that long reading yesterday, short one today, but it's also a feast day. I wanted to let you know that the feast of St. Thomas Aquinas. So we'll talk a little bit about him at the end uh, today as well. So let's dive right in. Mark chapter 4, verses 21 to 25 is our gospel for today. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to his disciples, is a lamp brought in to be placed under a bushel basket or under a bed and not to be placed on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden except to be made visible. Nothing is secret except to come to light. Anyone who has ears to hear ought to hear. He also told them, take care what you hear. The measure with which you measure will be measured out to you. And still more will be given to you. To the one who has, more will be given. From the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. want to focus on the end, but before I do that, you know that beginning, the, the first line or two, sounds very much like the opening of, of Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, right? If you go to Matthew chapter 5, um, uh, this line here, Jesus says here in Mark 4, is a lamp brought in to be placed under a bushel basket or under a bed and not to be placed on a lampstand. For there is nothing hidden except to be made visible, nothing secret except to come to light. Um, in Matthew's gospel, he takes that idea and says, you know, do, you, do we place a, a, a lamp under a bushel basket uh, or, or, you know, under a, a, I don't know if he uses the bed as the example, I think he uses something else. Uh, but then he says, is it not to be placed again on a lampstand for all to see? Just so may your light must shine for all to see so that they may see your good works and give glory to God. So Matthew takes that idea, what Jesus is saying here, and takes it in a different way. Mark says, listen, a lamp is going to, it's going to illuminate everything. So there's nothing you can hide. That's, that's where Mark's going with it. Uh, there's nothing that is, uh, that, that, uh, is hidden within us that won't be made visible and nothing secret within us that won't come to light. So brothers and sisters, let's let it see the light now. Let's not try to pretend. Let's not try to, um, uh, you know, bury our heads and, 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 uh, and not think that something is real about us. You know, that emperor has no clothes idea, um, that that's not real. We, we need to be honest with ourselves. That's where Mark is taking that, where Matthew says, hey, listen, you got to be the light of the world. You're the city on the hill. Um, and let that light shine. Both wonderfully correct, but both 
different points, aren't they? And so I think where Jesus is going here in Mark's gospel with this is, is where I want to spend the majority of the time today. Two lines, the measure with which you measure will be measured out to you and still more given. So that's line one. And then line two, to the one who has more will be given from the one who has not, even what they have will be taken away. Let's do the first part. The measure with which you measure will be measured out to you. I don't think that is necessarily eye-opening to us, but I, but I want us to ponder that today and sit with that. In my prayer this morning, that was the line that just kept coming to me. You know, and I think that it, it almost, it, I don't think, again, as I say, this is not uh, new to us. We say, you know, um, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And, and numerous times Jesus says, you know, uh, that uh, unless you forgive from your heart, you know, God won't forgive you, whatever. It, and it sounds very much like God is reactive, that what we do, okay, you know, we set the rules and, and, and God is going to, um, you know, how we do it is what God will do to us. And, and, and again, I don't want to put words in Jesus' mouth, but I am going to struggle with that and say, I don't know that God is, is reactive to us. But I, I love this idea of what's being said here is the measure with which we measure will be measured out to us. Is that because God is being, uh, you know, reactive or, or, or bringing retribution based on, on, on what we're doing? Maybe. And, and again, God, can, God is free to do whatever God needs to do. But I see it more as it's the prison in which we place ourselves or decide not to. I've used this quote before. Gosh, I'm just full of quotes this, this week with you. But uh, it's a quote that uh, I, I, I learned back in Laramie years ago when I was there in Wyoming, you know, 20-some years ago. But it is, we do not see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. We do not see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. The measure with which we measure will be measured out to us. If I see others, if, if I do not trust them, if I look out at the world <clears throat> in, in that same vein, that is, is the prison in which I place myself that the world is untrustworthy. If, if I enter into it, I do not see the world as it is, I see the world as I am. And my problem is I am untrustworthy. Therefore, I see everybody around me as untrustworthy. There's, therefore, I see every situation in which I uh, am presented and, and into which I walk as something that may be off kilter, off base, something to be wary about. Well, that may not be the problem with the situation or the problem with the people around. The problem lies with me because the measure with which I am measuring people is coming back to bite me. If I see them as unworthy, if I see them as beneath me, if I see, or again, so I see myself as self-righteous, above, I mean, whatever, I'm going to act uh, to them as 
whatever it is that I see within me. If I see people as preeminently sinful, uh, if I see people as primarily bad or primarily um, foolish or, or, or just not capable, I am going to treat them in that manner. Uh, and, and, <clears throat> and my world becomes small like that. Like I said, it's the prison in which I place myself. However, conversely, if I see people in the image and likeness of God, because I see myself in the image and likeness of God, if I see God's grace having measured and, and, and uh, come over me, I'm going to treat people that same way. You know, uh, um, again, looking at the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, shower us with that grace. And when we realize who we are in you and, 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 and that abundance of mercy with which you've, you've given us, help me, Lord, in the same manner to be a conduit of that grace to other people you know, to carry who you are. So I think really what this is inviting us to, and I'm talking far longer than I mean to, I apologize, I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet, um, is, is having us look and say, how do we see ourselves? Because how we see ourselves will be how we encounter the world. If we see ourselves as held in God's love, as a child of God, as good, because God created us, not perfect, that's not what I'm saying, not, not falling and, and, and things. But if I see myself primarily as good, even in spite of the foolish actions I do um, and, and the separation that I, I stumble into, then that allows me the grace, not only for myself because of God's goodness, but to share that with others. Uh, to the one who has, more will be given, and the one who has not, even that, that will be taken away. It almost seems, again, as if God is being petty. Is Jesus being petty? Well, I want those people who have less. Don't take that away from them. Don't they deserve something? Again, I think we're looking at this, we need to look at it through a spiritual lens, not through a, a, a mere lens of, of, you know, oh, they had... Uh, one pound of grain and, and we're taking that away because it wasn't much and I'm going to give it to those who have five. I think we need to look at it in terms of a kind of a Lenten approach. Um, Lent affords us, my friends, a time to look at ourselves, uh, which we can do all the time, but it, it invites us to look at ourselves and, and, and take stock and say, what habits have I picked up that I don't need to be doing anymore? And what have I let fall by the wayside that I've forgotten about that I need to pick back up? Um, it's that business, isn't it? You know, stop, start, continue. You know, what, what do I need to, to start that I've, I've not done for a while? What do I need to stop that I've, I've picked up and, and it no longer is useful? And what do I need to continue doing? It's that, that lens. And I think that's what it's saying is, Listen, we can easily as humans forget these spiritual habits that have blessed us or blessed generations over the years. Um, and if we forget them, they're taken away from us. Not because God has taken them away, but because we have left them by the side of the road. And so what we need to do is, is fearlessly take stock of ourselves and look at that measure 
with which we are, are, are looking at ourselves first and foremost, because that's how we're measuring it out. And that's going to come back to us, because that's the world we create. And we need to fearlessly look at ourselves and say, well, just to do stop, stop, start, continue. What do I need to stop doing that is no longer serving me, those around me, and the kingdom of God? What do I need to start doing that I have left by the side of the road and I've forgotten it? And it's been taken from me, but I want it back because it will bless me and those around me and the kingdom of God. Um, and what do I need to continue doing um, that I, I've associated with me? Like I said, talked way too much. Want to talk about St. Thomas Aquinas because he deserves that. So forgive me if I'm going just a little bit longer today. I know I don't like to do that. I, I'm trying to be shorter and I'm just failing utterly, utterly. St. Thomas Aquinas is one of the giants, my friends, within our church. And I say this never having read his Summa and never directly having read any of his works. But I can also say this, that we stand on the shoulders, we the church of today stand on the shoulders of Thomas Aquinas. In the history of our church, if one had to say, Joe, give me five people that have influenced it more than any others, okay, Jesus Christ is, is the foundation, so we're going to take him out of it. Paul would be one, Augustine would be one, Aquinas would be one, and then I'm going to battle over the other two. Um, you know, and, and it's just unbelievable the the lived in the, in the 13th century, only lived to be about 49 years old. Uh, they call him the angelic doctor, uh, one of the original doctors of the church. Um, brilliant, brilliant mind. His parents dropped him off at a Benedictine monastery when he was four years old, and they wanted him to be a Benedictine. And he went off to study, and by the time he was 18, he said, that's not what I want to be. I want to be a Dominican. So he signed up with the Dominicans, the mendicants. Oh, I don't know that uh, the mendicants just mean they didn't, they own nothing. They hold it all in common. They take vows of poverty and they, um, they don't have, you know, belongings per se. They, uh, they just go town to town and trust the people, the, the goodness and generosity of others. Well, his mother and father didn't like that. His mother ordered his brother to, to you know, kidnap him back and, and did. They did for a year. When he finally got free about age 19, he went to Paris to study, he went to Cologne to study, uh, was, a, was a professor at the University of Paris for years. But ultimately, it was his writings that, that, that have blessed the church over the, the centuries. He uh, fell in love with Aristotle at a young age, and, and what he did, the philosophy of Aristotle, he took and took that Aristotelian method and brought it into his own scholarship and his own way of uh, professing the faith. And we call that the scholastic method. If you've ever heard that within the church, that's all Aquinas. Um, and it's Aristotelian-based. And um, what's notable about him, I mean, there's so many things notable, and, and, and I'm scratching the surface. Um, what's notable is, and, and this is important for today, he believed in both faith and reason. He believed they were both opposite sides of the same coin, and they did not need to be separated. The same God went through everything. The same God who created faith and, and divine revelation to us also created reason and, and cre creation and, and everything that we can do to study that creation, science and, and philosophy and, uh, and mathematics and all these things 
come from the Creator to help us understand the Creator more, and that we do not need to be afraid of reason. And so, my friends, today in this day and age, there are so many that say, oh, I believe in science, not, not faith. Oh, Aquinas would be like, I do not understand what you're saying, uh, because they both are, 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 are a revelation of God, and we can both find out more about God through them. Last thing I'll say, uh, I mentioned he died at the age of uh, 49, young. Four months, three months, three months before he died, he uh, was writing the Summa, his greatest work. And he uh, went and presided at Mass and came back. So this was December uh, of uh, the year, I want to say 1273. And uh, came back and he stopped writing the Summa. It was never completed. And people asked him, why did you stop writing? Why did you stop working on that? And he points to that mass and said, I had a, a revelation there. And whether that was a vision or, or what that was, he said, all my work is as straw compared to what I saw, what was revealed to me uh, in Christ at that mass. And so he never, never worked on it, died three months later. Um, but if this man who was one of the most brilliant, if not the most brilliant, in the history of our church, said everything that he could reason and, and point out the church and, and help us understand Christ and God's work within the world. If he says that is all a straw, just remember, our God is so enormous. So if you're worried today that you're not getting it all, don't worry. Neither did the most brilliant mind in our church. God is always bigger. But God comes to us and reveals himself to us so often in just humble ways like he did at Christmas in a stable. Let's, uh, let's pray. Uh, we continue through the um, luminous mysteries. So let's place our intentions in the arms of our Blessed Mother as we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The fourth luminous mystery, the transfiguration. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. My friends, my apologies for being so long today. I will try to be shorter tomorrow. God's blessings on the rest of your day.